Yay! Glad to have you with us today. Third hour underway, the Pete Callender Show. I'm your guest host, Chad Adams, sitting in for Pete. Hope he's enjoying some time. He'll be here bright and early in the new year to kick things off. It's going to be a busy year. It's going to be a crazy year. It's going to be a fascinating year. Every year is kind of a redefining of the country in many ways. We learn what we'll tolerate, what we won't tolerate, what 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 divides us, what do we get along in. Some event will happen that there will be a rush to jump in, and it, it makes us very suspicious. It, it, every event makes us a little suspicious because you there's someone who benefits from us being at each other's throats. And I'm not going to sit here and, and, and say the right is without blame on some of this. More often than not, the issues, if you look at the issues that we're all divided about, it's the left that benefits. It's the left that benefits us from having differences on sexual preference. The entire LGBTQ, it's, it's, it, they've got to be provocative. I mean, these drag shows in front of kids at libraries, that's a provocation. That's a desire to pr- provoke a response so that they can then say, see, look at all these people that are ignorant and hate-filled. On race. It's, it's got to be an issue that is provocative, that baits us into disagreeing with something that normal people should disagree about. The BLM riots, we should be outraged about. But there are many people that want to justify it saying, well, you know, it was just overdue. This is what happens. You turn George Floyd into a hero. He wasn't a hero. What happened to him was horrific. And it's happened to other people of different races. It just happened to be the galvanizing linchpin for the race haters to go out there and really try to turn the country against itself over law enforcement, not over the criminal activity of George Floyd that led to the situation where he did and was abused and mistreated. Then focus on the fact that he stuck a gun in someone's pregnant stomach, threatened to kill the baby and the mother. No. So there are those that benefit. When Jesse Smollett, you know, claimed to have been threatened by Trump supporters that hated him because he was gay and black, and it turns out he faked the entire thing, it undermined many. But a lot of people didn't condemn him. The people that should have condemned him were the people in his own team that were the sympathetic apologists for him. Oh, he was a victim. CNN, CNN rushed because it had that narrative. It confirmed what they already believed about people. It believed the worst about people, and they rushed to that story. They were drawn to it like moths to a flame. And the sad thing, when the story gets corrected, it's not as exciting. So a lot of people still believe to this day that he was attacked because he was black and gay, which wasn't true. But the narrative doesn't get corrected. The, the ignorance on the border, even, even when we don't get answers to questions, like what happened in Las Vegas, the largest mass shooting in history, we don't know why the guy did what he did. It just kind of went away. These stories that the kids that got killed not long ago in Moscow, Idaho, Idaho, we don't know what happened there. We still don't know what happened there. And, and we, our attention span gets diverted and we're on to the next thing. So I'm turning my attention to the governor. The governor of North Carolina, Governor Roy Cooper, who has been in office pretty much since the late 80s. He's been in elected office. He hasn't. Uh, you know, lived with the real people for that long. He's uh, probably, I would consider, one of the most big brother-esque governors we've had. He's not seen that way. 
He's done a fan. I would say the people around him have done a phenomenal job of insulating him from looking like the lockdown governor that he was, where he really was someone who went and, and egregiously went after freedoms. He had executive orders that were very cumbersome and confusing and updated regularly to, to the point that they were hundreds of pages long that stifled us. Remember being lectured about the mask? And it turns out he was wrong. He was just wrong about the mask. I mean, he castigated Dan Force to the just just and the media bought into it. Dan Force was this horrible person because he didn't wear a mask at a fundraiser. And Governor Cooper basically limited the fundraising of everybody that was out there running for elected office. And it really helped him. People couldn't get their message out. He was the COVID governor. Kept us locked down until August of this year, by the way. People forget that. He just he unleashed the executive order in the middle of August of this year. But he's not seen as that way. He's, he's generally liked. The Democrats like him nationally. They're looking at him for higher, maybe a VP slot, maybe if Biden doesn't run or they need to replace Harris. Problem is, he's a white guy, a white straight guy. That puts him at the bottom of the list on Democrat circles because they don't want to look at accomplishments. They don't want to look at what what you can do or what you could be. He's a he's a straight white guy, an older straight white guy. That's like four check boxes. Hey, he's older. Check can't. That's not good. He's white. That's not so good. He's male. Not really good. And he's straight. Not so good. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's the, the opposite of promotion of the Democrat Party. But Cooper, nonetheless, has managed his image. The people around him have managed his image in such a strong way that he's generally thought of positively. Nobody can point to any of his accomplishments. Which is another amazing thing that if you were to interview people on the street, no nobody could tell you what he's really accomplished. He vetoed more budgets than any governor in history. He doesn't have a signature accomplishment. He left the AG's office when Josh Stein, another Democrat, took over with the rape kits unprocessed. It was it was it was pretty much an unaccomplished. In fact, he's been in office for forty years, and not many people can can signify any. Well, actually, thirty one to thirty five years. Very few people can point to accomplishments by Governor Cooper, by former AG Cooper, by former legislator Cooper. So that's interesting. And that and, and the fascinating thing about that from a from a partisan standpoint is his lack of accomplishment and avoidance of controversy has made him positively thought of. And that's that's kind of if you think about that, is that what we as North Carolinians really like? Do we want someone that we really know nothing about what we generally like? They didn't really accomplish a whole lot, but we like. Instead of a strong leader who stands up and takes charge, the buck stops with me. I accept responsibility for this. The truth of the matter, Governor Cooper, who wants to be seen as an educational governor, is, is the one almost solely responsible for us losing two years of education. Our kids. Our kids are so far behind in reading math because of these lockdowns, because of these egregious, and they weren't necessary and they didn't stop anything. But so I, I, I call your attention to that because I'm looking at what he posted today. It's actually not him. His staff, it, his Twitter account, unless it says RC on it, which means Roy Cooper, he didn't write it. And they got called out enough on it long enough that they started finally making a distinction between – because they would talk about himself in the first person. Look at what Governor Cooper did today, and it comes from at Governor Cooper's Twitter account. So you're like, hey, that's, that's a third person. Why are you writing your, about yourself in the third person? So we got called out enough on that by people like me and others that he started – Finally, they made the dis distinction. Here's what he said, or his, what his staff said, and it's a thread. I want to go through this because it's relevant. Uh, investing in North Carolinians from cradle to career is the key to building a stronger workforce and brighter future for our state. Here are a few highlights from this year. 
So this is his year in retrospect. Now, remember, education has been the downfall of this governor. They've lost two years. The kids are behind, not ahead. They're behind. But this is what this is the art of turning negative into positive, And they're very good at it. And the media, look, the News and Observer, the Charlotte Observer, they're not going to call this stuff out. They're owned by the same company. It's the same paper. WRAL, we really appreciate all liberals. They're not going to call Travis Fain's never going to call. They're not going to call up the governor for any of this stuff. They just don't. They won't. So from cradle to career, basically investing, which means spending government resources from cradle to career is the key in their minds. That's his mind. That's the, literally investing. Governments don't invest. They take from one group and they spend. They don't invest. So the second one, he goes on, from early learning programs lay the foundation for success since the launch of the Child Care Stabilization Grant Program from the North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services has distributed more than $743 million to 4,300 centers to raise preschool teacher pay. Now, I want you to think about that for a second because this doesn't get analyzed in any kind of contextual way. Early learning programs. We're talking about educational programs. Lay the foundation for success. I don't think many people would disagree with that, but look at where it goes. Since the launch of the child care stabilization program, so, okay, child care. Now we're talking about child care, not education, but he's really talking about education. The North Carolina Department of Health and Human Services, not the Department of Public Instruction, nothing to do with education. Health and Human Services has given almost a billion dollars to raise teacher pay. Why is the Department of Health and Human Services using taxpayer money to raise teacher pay? Seems it's completely disconnected. Department of Health and Human Services, Medicaid, Medicaid, I mean, Medicaid, Department of Health and Human Services, uh, STD studies, uh, epidemiological stuff, health and human services. What are they, but they're raising teacher pay? That should be, how? what, why? On average, teachers in North Carolina spend over $500 of their own money on supplies each year. Do any of you in the pursuit of your job spend money on your jobs? Yes, I did. As a radio talk show host, I'd spent tons of money on my job. In any of the other uh, businesses, if you if you own rental property, you spend a lot of money on your rental properties, don't you? I, I just just saying as if te and teachers are wonderful, and I appreciate, and, they, and it's a love of teaching that makes them great. But acting like they're somehow handicapped by this, it is part of the love of their job that they do this. So you keep going. The next one, long-leaf commitment grants are making higher education and training more accessible and affordable. Over $15.9 million has been distributed by more than 20 to more than 25,000 students uh, using GEAR funding and state budget funding since the program started. And then the next one, one NC Education Corps members provide students with intensive tutoring to help them succeed. Uh, and all this, by the, all the way, all of this, all these accolades are for public education, excluding charter schools. He will not mention that charter schools are also public schools. They are 100% public schools. Anybody can go to them. Apprenticeship programs are helping talented young students expand and strengthen their skills while they're still in high school. Governor Cooper, again, writing about himself from Governor Cooper at Governor Cooper. Governor Cooper celebrated Apprenticeship Week in November by touring a Caterpillar training program. All of these, there's no recognition it's just a lot. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. And for those of you who are listening and, and trying to come to terms, I'll still say ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. WBT welcomes the Light the Nights Festival, where you can make memories 
Uh, Merry Memories at the Truist Field. Now through January 6th, there's an ice skating rink, snow tubing hill. Plus, enjoy light shows, live entertainment, holiday treats, Christmas trees, shopping Santa, and more. Brought to you in part by Piedmont Natural Gas. Share the warmth. And uh, welcome to the show. We did have someone that I didn't realize it's all on me, and I appreciate folks calling in. So, Rich, are you still there? And I appreciate you holding, man. Yes. Yeah, I'm Thank here. Thank you for holding. Hey, welcome uh, to the show. I just wanted to, I couldn't tell I, I was listening while I was on hold, and I got to tell you, I could not agree with everything you said more. So, first of all, I wanted to say that. And then I just wanted to talk a little bit about, okay, just take, it doesn't matter how you feel about Donald Trump. It doesn't matter. What they did to Donald Trump, they put together a trial, impeached him. How is that not more important than the January 6th? I'm not. They impeached him on false. Those witnesses were so weak, it was ridiculous, and they were willing to go through with it. And people are still proud that they did that. It doesn't. I can't figure it out. It, it is a political, it was a political assassination, not, not, a, not one with a bullet, but it was a political assassination. It is a hatred. It is a hatred of someone that stirred the pot and irritated them in such a way that they found a way to get around what, what is normally something you would do for rare. It's payback for Bill Clinton in many ways yeah. for the Monica Lewinsky impeachment over what is the definition of the word is, is, and it was, it was anger in a, in, in made manifest in political action. So you're right. And nothing with Donald Trump ever becomes old news. I noticed that's one of the things that uh, you were talking about. January 6th committee, Adam Schiff is an abomination in the political realm. He is someone who has lied. He has leaked uh, information that was sensitive. And, and at Eric Swalwell is another one that these two should not be in public office. They shouldn't be in public office. Morning, Joe. Talk about it. Oh, Scarborough. Morning, Joe. Yeah. I, I'm- uh, uh, Rich. It's, it's so ridiculous to me that, that they're not, we're not all up in arms over what they did. They, we have proven that the information in the dossier was bull. We know yeah. that. We absolutely, there's no question that that was a lie. And, and our country, 32% of the people think that's okay. Our president, Rich, our current president, knows that his son's information helped not being let out, helped him get elected. Why is he not up in arms over that? He doesn't care. I mean, why should he? What? What are look? Joe Biden. If you go back to the eighties, you know, he was considered one of the most uh, truth averse politicians in the history of the republic. I mean, even ABC News' Sam Donaldson, not exactly a bastion of conservative ideology, pointed out how how many lies that Biden told about his school, about his college, about his background, about what he supported, what he accomplished, what he did. There's no aspect of Biden's life that's really truthful, and yet he's elevated to the position of president. He has the most compromised son in U.S. history. This is a guy who, and when you talk about a quid pro quo, you're right, Burisma and, and all of these right. oligarchs that are connected to Biden, you're absolutely right. He there was no quid pro, quid pro quo. Pro for pro. Trump. Oh, yeah. He bragged about it on national TV. He did. Guess what? You know, it ended. Uh, yeah, that's a famous clip that uh, has been run many times <laughs> over. But the point is, you're right. When you have the numbers, and that's all the, the Democrats leveraged their least. And if you look at Swalwell and, and Schiff, you look at the people the Democrats put out in front. These weren't the most 
relevant political types that were running the show. They were absolutely kind of the back of the envelope, kind of scribbled on, who can we put out there to act foolish and carry the water on this? And those are the people they came up with. And then they found some lackeys in uh, Kinzinger and Liz Cheney to kind of execute additional stuff with January 6th. And yet we haven't seen justice served on January 6th. Many of those folks are sitting and rotting away without any kind of due process. And it doesn't see it's not front page news anywhere. So that's where that's where all this truth stuff matters, Rich. You're right about Twitter and everything else. We should be up in arms and it's all relevant to what do we think is important? Because if we are not if we don't think it's important that the government can run rumshot over the truth and use social media companies to pursue an agenda, then we can't be surprised when an impeachment takes place based on non-truth. You know, an entire impeachment was was derived and, and, and arrived, finished over something that was not true. And we know it wasn't true now. And yet they haven't revoked that uh, that impeachment. The well, first well, you brought it up and I just got one more thing and then I'm going to I'm going to jump off. But Swalwell was dating a, a spy. A, a Chinese so spy. Our Democratic leadership puts him on the intelligence committee. How is everybody not screaming? <laughs> The stupidity of that. It just, this whole thing is like, it's almost like, you know, I keep calling it hypnotized populist, but I mean, it it can't be anything else. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. This guy was dating a spy, a known. A known spy. It wasn't like an, it wasn't like, it wasn't like someone alleged it. It was true. It was 100% true. And she was proud of it. And he still is. Still is. I don't know. Anyhow. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you getting this out. I just don't understand how are we going to get the word. You should hear me and my brother talk about this. He's <laughs> completely, completely thinking that this is a great thing. There's uh, people that think that it's great that they lied about about Trump. They think it's yeah. great that they that they went to the extreme. The ends. Uh, I have a father-in-law. I have a father-in-law like that. Rich, I appreciate the call. I got to run. I'm up against a break, but I appreciate you listening and chiming in. All right, man? Thank, Thank you. Thank you for taking Okay. Rolling along on this beautiful day in December. Hope you all had a Merry Christmas. I hope it was wonderful, blessed event. You were able to reflect on life and why you worship and why you feel and what the importance of it is beyond the commercial aspects of it, which kids just love. Also, a special shout out to Dave. Dave out on Twitter. Thanks for listening, man. And uh, also, Rich, for calling. You want to get in on the conversation, give us a call, 704-570-1110. That's 570-1110 here at News Talk 1110 99.3 WBT. Uh, Chad Adams sitting in for Pete Callender. And, and what Dave had to say on Twitter was going back to earlier segments. Why do I have a feeling the substation FBI investigations are going the way of the January 6th pipe bomb, Vegas shooter, Nashville bombing? You know, they get some J6, uh, January 6th arrest in days. But these other things we never seem to get solutions on. And as soon as they make it away from public view, they're out of public mind. They're not interesting anymore. You know, is it amazing how certain trials the American public can be just riveted by? You know, it can, uh, Casey Anthony, the public will sit there and watch for days or weeks, or O.J. Simpson, the, that killing days and weeks, or Rodney King days or weeks, or Antifa days or weeks. But, you know, the largest shooting in U.S. history, and it fades from public view in a matter of days. Um, 
you know, the, the, the pipe bombs from January 6th, we never got resolution on those. Those, those are, he's absolutely correct on that. And the, the Nashville bombing, we never got answers on the Nashville bombing either. Did we, I forgot all about that. So I'm, I'm, I'm an example of that, that reticence to, to, because we have so many other things coming at us, don't we? And I think part of the problem is, is complexity of life. I think that our lives have become so complicated and not in good ways. These two life was, it was simpler in many ways. You, you, you worked, you came home, you didn't have that many bills. There weren't many bills to pay. There were, I'm not talking about much longer ago. I'm not talking about 20 years ago, but I do think that life has become much more complicated. The number of, of, of different aspects of life that are, that are coming at you at all times and the where news comes at you from 50 different sources and what it all means and the lack of attention to the importance of history. How many people really care about history anymore? You bring history up and they're like, oh my God, you're going to talk about history. It's boring. Or scientific endeavors. You know, you, <clears throat> you have people like Foucher saying we're living in a time of kind of a, 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 a departure from science at a time when we're actually moving in just the opposite direction. We're moving at light speed and advances in science. And the progressive left, you know, the screaming hall, but they, the, the progressive left is really, really good about staying on message and taking advantage of every crisis. The political right is, one, not good at sticking together. Two, they are certainly not good at pushing back. They're terrible at consistency of messaging. And, and if you want proof of that, I, I mean, we've talked about the proof of this already. We don't have a balanced budget amendment. The right doesn't have the political wherewithal to stand up and say, that's absolutely something we need. The only way we're ever going to stop or prevent government spending, or at least prevent it from getting out of hand, which it's been out of hand now for decades, is to have a balanced budget amendment, to force to force Democrats and Republicans to balance the flipping budget instead of balancing it on the backs of your kids and your grandkids. That's a big one. And some kind of some kind of answer and accountability. The stuff with the FBI, the CIA, and our government agencies having zero accountability. You know, and you know when how you can prove that there's there's very little government accountability. And all of you who travel know this. When you've gone through TSA, now I've been through many ch TSA checkpoints. Uh, when you go through them, if you pre-check or not, you know I've, I've done both. Is that the way you get treated? Now, there, again, I'm going to castigate the the TSA stuff. But there are a lot of there's a lot of nice folks in there that are considerate that understand you're just trying to get to your destination. But there are many, unfortunately, that act like many Castros that are dictators that that make you feel bad about yourself. They 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 try to embarrass people. They tell them you know remind them of their ignorance and and dress them down. I've seen them dress down people. Why didn't you take your jacket off? Why didn't you take your shoes off? Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And I've seen them be very egregious and almost cruel to people of all ages. And it's because there's very little accountability. If you don't like the way they treat you, what are you going to do about it? And that's the attitude they have. What are you going to do about it? I think the CIA and the FBI in this instance on Twitter and social media are like, what are you going to do about it? So what? We were doing what at least half the country wants us to do, suppress the right. They're okay. with They, they learned from Lois Lerner. Lois Lerner crushed crushed right-leaning organizations. And were there, was there any kind of – was there, there any accountability for Lois Lerner other than her admitting she did it? No. You think there's going to be any accountability for the FBI and the CIA for what they did in the last election cycle? Now, the conspiracy theorists with, with Trump and the election suppression, they're absolutely correct in this regard. There were stories that were suppressed actively by forces within the U.S. government and the DNC and the media working hand in glove 
with one another to crush the information that was available to the American public or discredit it when it was true. In that way, you could seriously say an election was stolen. We have the most compromised president sitting at the helm right now. And we and you know what? Here's the, the worst part. It's not just that he's the worst. It's that the Democrats know that he is. The Democrats know he's compromised. They don't not know. They know the same information. You know, they know. They absolutely know he's compromised. And they know Kamala's a horrible vice president. They know that. But they have to maintain the facade. They have to maintain the act. You know, they want everyone to turn on Donald Trump. Do you like Donald Trump? You must hate Donald Trump. But they will never, ever abandon the ship that is the USS Joe Biden. He's an octogenarian in the White House. They will not abandon that ship. Unless they have a Newsom. The USS Newsom, if they can escort that into the White House and do that, then they'll do that. But it, it, they will never publicly decry that. And so you know, going back to the earlier segments, what, what's going to happen? Why don't we find out truths? We should. Our attention span is very narrow. And, and the conservatives are not running the Republican Party right now. The moderates are still running it. There are conservative elements in it, certainly in the Charlotte area. Dan Bishop is one of those. Dan Bishop has consistently been going after the spending in this latest $1.7 trillion bill. We have some others in the North Carolina House that are very conservative, but they're outnumbered and outgunned. But they need your support. We'll probably have one of them on later in the week, I think. And I appreciate the, the text messages after the show last week. So having said that, we're going to have a little fun. And you, again, Anybody is welcome to give us a call at 704-570-1110. And I told Bernie, and this is the way I've always operated in radios, hey, if there's a caller, you're taking the time out of your day to be a part of what we're doing here. I'm going to try to move you to the front of the line. Something I've always felt and, and always will feel. Now, a couple of things. Uh, and, and I'm going to start this because I know people have gotten in trouble before talking about health. Not a doctor. Don't claim to be a doctor. I'm passing along information from different sources that, that actually are provocative from a, from a uh, thinking standpoint. And it's from BigThink.com. You can go there. And this was from, from early November. But you have been inundated with, you've got to eat this, you've got to eat that. Uh, here's the balanced diet, here's not. And, and, and as we get into the new year, everybody's going to be throwing at you from uh, Jenny Craig to Weight Watchers to Nutrisystem to I can't even name the plethora. And then not, and then on top of that, you'll get piled on from every gym. The beauty of the free market is they know all of you take stock January 1 to say, I can be a better person. And long about March, you forget all about being a better person and just go into survival mode. And by the end of the year, you're just glad you made it to another year. So January 1st, now you're starting to see all the dietary things. But I just want to get to this. Studies have been linking red meat consumption. This is about, hey, I love a good steak. I love a prime rib. I love cooking meat. I'm a meat eater. Studies have been linking red meat consumption to health problems like heart disease, stroke, and cancer for years. But inside the recesses, recesses of those published papers are some limitation. Nearly all of the research is observational, unable to tease out causation convincingly. Most are plagued by confounding variables. For example, Perhaps meat eaters simply eat fewer veggies or tend to smoke more or exercise less. Moreover, many are based on self-reported consumption. The simple fact is that people can't remember what they eat with any accuracy. And lastly, the reported effect sizes in these scientific papers are too small. Is the supposed 50% greater risk of cancer really worth worrying about? In a new unprecedented effort, scientists at the University of Washington's Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation scrutinized decades of research on red meat consumption and its links to various health outcomes. By the way, this is not paid by the uh, Cattlemen's Association or Yellowstone. 
Anyway, they're formulating a new rating system to communicate health risks. The findings mostly dispel any concerns about red meat. We found weak evidence of association between unprocessed red meat consumption and colorectal cancer, breast cancer, type 2 diabetes, or heart disease. Moreover, we found no evidence of an association between unprocessed red meat and stroke or hemorrhagic stroke. The scientists have been observing the shoddy nature of health science for decades. Each year, hundreds of frankly lazy studies are published that simply attempt to find an observational link between some action, like eating a food, and a health outcome, like disease or death. In the end, owing to sloppy methodology, varying subject populations, and inconsistent stats, everything, especially different foods, seem to be associated and not associated with cancer. How is the public supposed to interpret this? So you can go through in the article. The article is not overly long, um, but in the end, it basically said, in addition to helping consumers, analysis can guide policymakers in developing health and wellness education programs so that they focus on the risk factors with greatest impact on health. Dr. Emmanuel Gadado, professor of health metric sciences at the IHME and a lead author of the study said, health researchers can always use analysis to identify areas where current evidence is weak and more study is needed. So when they look at this, the, the evidence for a direct vascular or health risk from eating meat regularly is low to the point that there is probably no risk. There is, however, more evidence of a health risk for eating too few veggies. That is really the risk of a high meat diet. Those meat calories are displacing veggies. So eat more vegetables. Don't worry about the meat so much. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving you that advice. You can go look it up for yourself. And figure out. But don't you get tired of, you're eating a steak and someone says, man, you're going to have a heart attack. You're going to die. Well, we all are. There's going to come a time. You can get hit by a meteor. But it's worth knowing. So, a few hours ago, it's unbelievable stuff. I just... And it happens in a week when nobody's paying attention, right? So you guys are listening, and I appreciate that. appreciate all the callers. appreciate the listeners. It's an honor, pleasure to be here. Bernie, Chris, all the guys making it happen, and uh, always, and, and even even Boomer Von Ken has been, has been great through. It always is when I'm here. The staff's wonderful. But the stuff that happens, it's really newsworthy, and it's going to get buried, and nobody's going to – not nobody, but a, a substantial number of people won't even know. The latest Twitter files got released, and it was about five hours ago. And, and it was uh, David Zwig, Z-W-E-I-G. He's got it. The latest reporting on documents referred to as the Twitter files reveals efforts from both the Trump and Biden administrations to promote, suppress ideas on social media related to COVID-19. In a lengthy Twitter thread, and I, by the way, if you go to my uh, Chad Adams, at Chad Adams, uh, whatever, on Twitter, you'll see that. You can follow me. Um, I, I, I reposted it so you can see it. Uh, David Zwig cited internal files from Twitter that showed how the social media giant rigged the COVID debate at the behest of the federal government. So in other words, the federal government has determined what truth is. And it has gone out not just – the reason you're hearing it about Twitter is because Twitter's exposed itself. Elon Musk has said, oh, my God, the American public needs to see this. Meanwhile, the other social media giants have been like mum, quiet, deaf, mute, blind on this. It's, a, it's a, the rock opera Tommy happening in real life. The United States government pressured Twitter and other social media platforms to elevate certain content and suppress other content about COVID-19. They, they claimed that the documents showed that both the current and previous administrations directly pressed Twitter executives to moderate pandemic content. The Trump administration, he wrote, was concerned about suppressing messages about runs on grocery stores that they, fe they feared would lead to panic buying in the early months of the pandemic. We saw that. 
they held meetings with Twitter, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, and others. Uh, the Biden administration, very different tactic. Uh, they were concerned about vaccine-related information and anti-vaxxer accounts like former New York Times reporter Alex Berenson, who's done some stellar work, by the way. If you get a chance to follow him, please do. It's, it's, it's stunningly uh, eye-opening. Documents reportedly showed that the Biden administration was upset that Twitter was not doing more to take action against a number of accounts. Fox Business reached out to the White House for comment, but they did not immediately respond. While Twitter did not always comply with the White House wishes, Twitter did suppress views, many from doctors, many from scientific experts that conflicted with the official position of the White House. In other words, the Twitter did suppress actual doctors and scientists and instead went with the White House narrative on things. As a result, legitimate findings and questions that would have expanded public debate were pushed aside. One example they cited was Harvard Medical School epidemiologist Dr. Martin Koldorf, who had responded to a question about vaccines by saying that while older at-risk people and their caretakers should get them, children and people who had already been infected with COVID-19 did not need to. He showed a screenshot of an internal Twitter email that discussed taking action against Koldorf for spreading, quote, false information about the efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines, which goes against CDC guidelines. But we now know the CDC was just wrong. As a result, likes and replies were disabled in the post, and the post itself was labeled misleading. In my review of internal files, I found countless instances of tweets labeled as misleading or taken down entirely, sometimes triggering account suspensions simply because they disagreed with the CDC and offered a different view from established views. Another tweet that was labeled misleading was one that aimed to dispel a claim that COVID-19 was the leading cause of death by disease among kids, a tweet that relied on and showed the CDC's on data. In other words, it wasn't the leading cause of death by disease among kids. The CDC even had that on their website, and the person who pointed that out was suppressed. And that's when you have to be – that's the kind of stuff that just it, – you. it's one thing to think you to, – to have the audacity to try to do it. It, but it takes the other – in other words, if I, if, if I was president and I said, I don't want any negative news about me to be – out there, and I go to, to the media giants, I say, and, I, and I'm arrogant enough or narcissistic enough to believe I have the right to do that, and I go out there, they should laugh at my face. Great, you're the president. No, we're not going to suppress any stories about you. Sorry, it's just not our job. And that should have been the social media's response. But under the, it's just astounding that, that these social media people gave the CIA, the FBI, other government agencies more credibility than freedom. Freedom's an ultimate credibility, by the way, whether you agree with it or not. It, 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 and, and, and radio stations have done, hey, the views expressed by the host do not reflect those of the management or staff and blah, blah, blah. That Freedom is what you say whatever you want to almost. But the fact that media giants allowed for suppression of freedom is anathema to being American. The fact that the presidency had the audacity to do that, that's another problem entirely. Just astounding. I'm your guest host, Chad Adams, sitting in for B-Counter. I'll be here all week. Hope you'll join us. Hope you have a fantastic Christmas and a week of just doing what you want to. But we appreciate you listening. Continue to do so here at WBT. Have a great day.